We've all heard the phrase, that kind of thing doesn't happen in our town. But here on Midwest Murder, we will shatter that false reality. In fact, it happens more often than we know. And sometimes the details of the most horrific crimes that happen in our neighborhoods are lost in the back pages of newspapers, forgotten on our news channels, and eventually erased over time. We're here to talk about murder, diving into some of the most controversial cases in Midwest history. This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully, the justice that was ultimately delivered. Woo! Don Palumbo. Jonah Lanto. Sounds pretty serious over there. It is. It was. It was very serious. It was very oh. serious. You, you started typing in the middle, and I my eyes like went wonky because he was typing down below, and it's Google Docs, and so I was like, no, don't move, stop moving. So I'm obviously very it's insider easily knowledge. Yeah. All right. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Back here at Half Bros. Here we are. Yeah. Coolest basement in North Dakota. It is cool. Yeah. It is cool. All right. Thanks to everybody so much for being with us here tonight. We are so appreciative of it. It's cool. I like I like being here. I like being in Grand Forks. I like Half Brothers. It's a great time. So, uh, and they, they've been wonderful to, to partner with. Um, so support them, drink their beer, tip them well. They're lovely. And I want to give uh, everybody in the audience, please give yourself a round of applause. You are 50th episode. Five this will be the 50th... <laughs> Are you are you gonna I, are you gonna say it or should I? Uh, I was gonna say. Do you, you know what I'm gonna say, right? What? This is a pinch me moment. Oh, it is. Right? It it's is. a pinch me moment. He makes fun of me. He gets the Jonah bumps, and I want to be pinched. I promised Don I wouldn't give a speech and cry up here about it, but it is really cool. It's almost two years for us. We've never taken a break. We've delivered an episode every other week, except for one time during a medical emergency. And that's while carrying our day jobs and our personal lives and everything else. So it's really neat to make it to 50, almost two years in. And uh, we appreciate you guys yeah. for being here. And we're and having, we're having the success that, that, that we're having because of you guys. Like this is, this is so cool. Um, so we, we appreciate you. Big yeah. moment. Thank yeah. you. So also a big thanks to everyone who has rated and reviewed our podcast. We are so grateful for the comments, the feedback, and the support that we receive from our listeners, good or bad. And, uh, you know, it does it does some amazing things for our podcast, and, and we, we greatly appreciate it. So, Jonah, what are people saying about Midwest murder? This one's from Nodak Girl. Five star. Midwest murder magnificence. Midwest Murder is such a great podcast, and I've recently just found it, so I'm bringing it, I'm binging it all day, every day. I feel like I'm sitting around listening to my two friends telling stories. You guys have a wonderful rapport. I've lived in North Dakota my entire life, and while I'm somewhat familiar with most of these stories, you two provide so many great details, it makes me feel like I'm right there seeing it happen with my own eyes. I can't get enough. Keep on keeping on. Oh, that's that's super cool. Thank you. Boom. That's yeah. pretty uplifting. Yeah, it's it's really that's cool. cool. And hey, we, we appreciate you guys when you take the time to do this mm -hmm. for us and, and drop us a review. Yeah. This yeah. next one. Hang on, hang on. Oh, did anybody oh. else when she said when, when he read Keep On Keeping On, did anybody else start singing the, the Brady Bunch song? We're gonna keep on, keep on. Nothing? No? Oh, Great. Okay. man. Wow. All right. I know some, some of you, <laughs> I know some of you are older than me, and if you don't know that, come <laughs> thank you. Yes, she's doing the dance even. That was yours? Oh, wait, oh that's so cool. That is that's so never cool. happened before. That's awesome. Thank you. 
That has never happened before that we're aware of. Yeah. You know, I, no, you know, we're you know aware what, of, right. What I'm hoping for is that one of the shitty reviews was in the that one time that we read, you know, and they're like, oh, that's me, you know. It's like, I would yeah. love for one yeah. of the shitty reviews to be yeah. in the audience because it meant they just, you know, you guys sucked that one time and I had to tell you about it, but I'm still here. But I'm here. But I'm here. So that like, would be really the, cool. The, the one that, that, that um, you read at Atypical that... Yeah. That that one that one threw us for a loop. That was pretty funny. So I would have loved that. But it's so cool. So thank you. That's super cool. Were you thinking of the Brady Bunch when you said that? I no, don't think anybody I, knows no. that's Brady Bunch. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. And and I say keep on keeping on. And I don't think of the Brady Bunch. So I'm not sure why I thought of it all of a sudden. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Let's why not on. now? <laughs> From MMCW1226, two stars. Jeez, just tell the story already. Why don't you? Oh. All right. Well, thank you, MMCW. But also, just you know, Thanks. it's about probably it's probably you know forty five seconds. Just skip ahead. It's okay. Skip totally ahead okay. and just hey, man, realize this is a show with banter. It's going to be part of what we do. It's who we are. It's we're not. We are. We're not. We're not quite robots. Okay. There are days I feel. But like we appreciate one, but... you for for stopping by the two star. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And a big thanks to our wonderful sponsor. Our. Sh- Shots Superstar Ranch. Yeah. Shots Crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys have not been to Minot and to uh, Shots Crossroads for their ranch, just simply for their ranch. Like there's nothing else you need to go for. I'm kidding. Um, it should but, be a tourist destination for their ranch. Let's yeah. be real here. Okay? <laughs> they, should, they should add that. Yes. Um, but <laughs> if you uh, if you're in the area you uh, and you stop, you know that you're going to leave well fed. If you're just passing through, let us remind you that Shots Crossroads has big portions and always competitive prices. And um, get my personal favorite the bacon cheeseburger with fries and they're crinkle fries. So they're really good. Um, it was an uproar when they changed fries. And so I personally appreciate that. And then uh, also get a side of ranch and um, gravy. But anyway, I'm not going to draw a line in the sand when it comes to fries, but man, those crinkle cuts, they get them perfect, perfect at shots. And let's not forget how awesome the gas station area is. The convenience store. If you're swinging through in the morning, you can get consistent products, pie, soup, ranch, Shots has built itself on that consistency. Their gas prices are usually lower than the competitors, especially if you pay with cash. And again, I really appreciate that they always offer those energy drink deals because, look, I, I, I do them and it, it's part of me. You. Coffee and energy drinks, they're like two for four bucks there. So yeah. we appreciate you guys. Yeah. So uh, also, you can support the show. You can buy us a hot dish now at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash Midwest Murder. And you can also support us you know, just at the same address, but not buy us a hot dish. Whatever you want. Yeah, whatever uh, you want. Yeah. And it's it's there to kind of help defray the costs of, you know, uh Case files, court notes, or not court notes, but police records and documents those types of and databases and, yeah, and everything it takes to help this show function. And we do have merch and you can find it at tpublic.com slash stores slash Midwest murder, or really easily. You can just go to our social medias and it's right there don't, where our website is listed. It's way easier to do that. Don't so. just type in Midwest murder on there for whatever reason you can't find it. I don't know. It's weird. All right. It was 1980. 1980 kicked off a weird ass decade. It was weird. Cool decade too. It was weird. Like there were so many firsts. There were so many, um, so many inventions, just births. You know, we were born in the eighties. Yep. That's cool. That's an important one or two. Yeah. You know, I mean, I shouldn't even try to make another movie joke because clearly nobody got the first one. Um, but post-its were invented. And so what I had originally wrote it wrote was Romy Michelle invented post-its. 
but nobody would have gotten it. <laughs> oh, I would have. Okay. So, oh, thank you. I get some chuckles. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. But were Post-its yeah. really invented in the 80s? They, they went on sale in 1980. Oh, yeah. cool. Romy and Michelle claimed they invented Post-its. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. The, Ro- the Rubik's Cube was invented and the channel Cable News Network debuted. We know that today is... CNN. The cable news network? Yes. Okay. And have you ever solved a Rubik's? I have to ask. Uh, By peeling off the stickers? Yes. Okay. Same. Big same on that one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. We are best friends now. Yeah, we bought the. We it bought happened, this, we finally bought this, happened. We bought the. I know it took. It a only long took fifty time, episodes, but, but we're, we're, we're finally, finally best there. friends. We're finally there. He. Uh, we bought the same mouse this week. We both cheat at the Rubik's cube. I mean, my goodness. Uh, also, Mount Saint Helen erupted. John Lennon was murdered outside his apartment building in NYC. I'll give Ooh. you a high five if you can tell me what apartment building. I have no idea. The Dakota. Okay. Wow. John Wayne Gacy was sentenced to death for the murders of 33 boys and men that year. <sighs> 33. And because I'm learning to leave things on a positive note on these, uh, it was the miracle on ice when the USA hockey team defeated the Soviet Union. Not for the championship. People say that it was for the championship. It was not. Okay. Yeah. They made a movie about that, right? Called Miracle. Weird. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to Ohio, Toledo to be exact. And I'm going to apologize in advance for this, uh, but I finally get to say one of my favorite phrases, and that's holy Toledo. My- and, and, and I'm really sorry, and I will absolutely see myself out. Like, I shouldn't even, like, I shouldn't even made that joke. And my you guys could have laughed that. a little bit harder, like a little harder, um, maybe like a pity laugh, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The yeah. only other person I know who says holy Toledo is my mom. So, and I have, I've always wondered where the hell she got it from because she's never been to Ohio. I, I have been through Ohio many a time, and it, uh, it takes almost as long to get through that state as it takes to get through Montana. And if I'm not mistaken, Toledo is also near the time change border, so that's cool. Um, and where it goes from central to eastern. little fun fact that could, could or maybe or may not be right, I'm not sure. But some would also argue, argue that Ohio isn't even in the Midwest, but they pronounce their A's the same way that we do, so they have to be. And some would also say that Ohio is the Midwest, and I disagree and I would fight someone. So, just is singularly. Just, just, that's, that's it. Like oh, it's yeah. Ohio. And it's like, no, but all kidding aside, Ohio is one of those beautiful places in the States. And it seems to be the place where presidents are bred because at least seven were born there. What? You know? that's yeah. A, yeah. There's a nice piece of trivia for you. Yeah. And if you are a college football fan, then you are obviously familiar with a little known college team that resides there. And it's also home to the NFL hall of fame school. Yeah. I've been there. It's fun. All right. Like many other Catholic dioceses, the Toledo diocese isn't that different. The early 19th century immigrants set up their neighborhoods by their faiths and their backgrounds. Toledo was no different. In the beginning of these neighborhoods, especially in the bigger cities, you really didn't have to leave. You lived there, you shopped there for nearly everything, and then you went to church there. And for those that didn't speak English, they relied on their pastors because they were their link to a completely different world. Again, Toledo was no different. So, and, it, and Toledo was also very Catholic. It was very heavy Catholic. And this is sort of the establishing history sure. of, of Toledo. Yeah. And I would say it's relatable on some of the previous episodes when we kind of talked about the migration coming over with mm-hmm. a lot of the folks who settled in the Midwest. Yeah. And Toledo Diocese was made up or is made up of 19 counties. And so it's large. There are approximately 1.4 million people within those 19. And of those, in 2018, the Catholic population was almost 320,000 which is about 40,000 more than the city of Toledo itself. So it's heavy Catholic. Okay. Wow. 
in and 2000. It, the, dio, the diocese is everybody who is part of that religious group in that region. Then. The Catholic group. Okay. Yeah. So like in North Dakota, it's the Fargo Diocese or the Bismarck Diocese. And forgive so, me because I'm sort of ignorant when it comes no, to some no, of these terms. So okay. I just want to make yeah. sure that. And I don't okay. want to over explain it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I don't, don't want to Jonah explaining. <laughs> I don't want to Jonah explain it. Yeah. In 2018, there were only 88 priests serving within that diocese. So that's like, that's not a lot. And that number has been dwindling for decades for a multitude of reasons, which a lot we won't even touch here. In 1980, there were 347,000 Catholics and approximately 250 priests. So in almost, I think that's 30 years, almost 30 40. years. 40. Shit. I knew it. Closer to 40. Closer to 40. Yep. I see. This is why I don't do math. We're not grading it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, that, I mean, so in 1980, 347 Catholics and approximately 250 priests. In 2018, almost 40 years, there were only 88 priests. So it's 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 changing. Dwindled by nearly Definitely 75%. Changing. Yeah. One of those priests were, or was, Father Gerald Robinson. Robinson was born and raised in Toledo in a very, very Polish neighborhood near the University of Toledo's Scott Park campus and not far from the mostly Polish St. Hyacinth Church. So again, you know, Catholics stuck to their neighborhoods. They stuck to their, their churches, just like in many religions, I suppose. And when he was ordained in 1964, at the age of 24, he celebrated his first mass in the same church in the same neighborhood. Robinson seemed to be a beloved, popular priest in the area. And because of his background, he was able to deliver his homilies in fluent Polish and also hear confessions from those who only spoke that language, which of course builds, builds trust. Robinson, like quite a few of the priests in that time, seemed to be shuffled around often, moving from a parish sometimes after only one year, others a little longer. After being moved four times to different parishes within 10 years, which is a lot, from 1964 to 1974, he was assigned to Mercy Hospital. From 1964, he was an associate chaplain until Father J.J. McFarland left the hospital, leaving him as head chaplain. In 1977, Father Jerome Swiatecki was then assigned as associate chaplain. One of the nuns assigned at the time was a petite older woman known for her unbelievably strict meticulousness. Some would describe her as the stereotypical nun that might smack your hand with a ruler if you got out of line. I was just you know, going right, to ask one. if, yeah, she's that yeah. stereotype, the right. one my mom warned me about. <laughs> yes. So, and, and you know, like the one you hear stories about. Yeah. Like, no, you know? the, like literally the one that whipped my mom's ass when she was a kid. It was her, yeah, it was her grandma. Yeah. yeah. So the very familiar story, not this one, but like no, her grandma that was, stereotypical lady was, yeah. Her grandma was a nun. How does that work? Uh, okay. I, not here. Okay, cool. I get it. Sorry. <laughs> strictly religious Catholic, not quite a nun. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I was From like, that old school ass like, whipping uh, Catholic mentality. Yeah. That yeah. makes, that actually makes sense. Um, that, that makes sense. You really, you really, I'm glad I clarified there. that for you. Yeah. Then. Cause I was yeah. like, that is carry the one that does not, I feel like that doesn't check out, but okay. It's because okay. I made eye contact when I made the inquiry, isn't it? No. When you said, when you, when you said that was my grandma, I'm like that, that, Anyway, we don't have to relive it. Okay. Um, so anyway, Margaret Ann Paul, a daughter of a farm family, was born and raised in Edgerton, Ohio. If it's anything like a typical Catholic farming community in that time, the only way to leave the farm without marrying another farmer was to become a teacher, a nurse, or a nun, and in some cases, a combination. At the age of 19, she joined the Sisters of Mercy, and after becoming a registered nurse, worked for half a century in Catholic hospitals. 
the majority of the time as an administrator. She served as the Associate Director of Nursing at Mercy Hospital from 1962 to 1966, followed by pastoral care and head sacristan from 1971 to 1980. When she died, she was in charge of the caretaking at the hospital chapel. At the risk of Jonas planning, okay, I don't want to assume that everyone knows what a sacristan is. Oh, so, please, please okay. do. I'm, right. yeah, I do, so I do you, not. If you, if you break it down, the root word is sacra, which means holy, consecrated, or sacred, right? I mean, it's the Latin, they, the Latin people, they really broke it down for us well. Okay. Yep. Spelling so, bee. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Well, okay. I, I'm Jonas explaining something for you. I for like sure. it. And I'm into it. The, the sacristan is someone who prepares a chapel or a church for mass. They're preparing the altar cloths, communion, lighting the candles, etc. Just, you know, just preparing it for worship. And the sacristy is a room in the church where all things used for worship are stored. So it's kind of like, uh, that, you know, probably you have, makes it a pretty important room. You ha- yeah. You have all the place, you have the place where the altar is and then you have the sacristy, which is where, you know, all of the, the relics stuff, are kept yeah, Well, like, you know, you've got the, you've got communion and those types of things right. that are all kept in there. Like the vestments, which is what the priests wear. They're all kept in there, you know, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a place. So is it, an, it isn't uncommon for a Catholic hospital to have nuns in some form be a part of the hospital staff. The Sisters of Mercy, which is the order that Sister Margaret was a part of, was a nursing order. And how very different life is for a nun. A priest like Father Gerald Robinson may live with two or possibly three other priests. Sister Margaret Ann Paul lived with 20 other nuns in a convent that was housed on the hospital's highest floor. Well, after a lifetime of service, administration of a chapel and a hospital and all that, yeah. You're you're in the barracks. With with twenty other twenty other women. Yeah. So Sounds cozy. It's a, it's a different life. It's a different yeah. life. That's dedication. And so for Catholics, Holy Week, you know what it is dedication. It, I mean, it, it is. is. I'm it not is. mocking it. No, 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 I know, I know. Yeah. I, we're not, I'm not I'm not fighting. I, I really came at you there. I didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, no, it, it really is a sacrifice. I, I think it's you know, to give your life up for whatever it is that you believe in, mm-hmm. I, I think is is noble. So Yeah, for, you're not giving up your life to hang out in the fucking Hilton, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 So yeah, it's, it's intense. It's, it is. So for Catholics, Holy week is the equivalent of the super bowl for football. Like it's a big deal. And, and it is, if you, if you're Catholic, like it is, it's a, it's a big damn deal. Right. So Holy week is in the world in the Catholic world is, is big. It's, it's It's a great analogy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's like when all the things happen, right. It's, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, if a person, if a Catholic priest is listening to this, I'm going to get yelled at later for that. I'm like, just big things happen. Like, all right. Not a very what good, kind of big things, a, Don? Don't ask me that. I'm not a very good Catholic. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it starts with Holy Thursday, then Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and ends with Easter Sunday. And so obviously it's a Christian holiday, but just for this case, I'm going to just focus on the Catholic side of things. So given that it is that big of a week, I think I've made that point clear. There's, there's a lot of work to prep for. So each mass has its own liturgical traditions and requirements. So it's own what liturgical okay. traditions, like liturgy, liturgical okay. yep. traditions and requirements. And, and that would be, so the job of, of sister Margaret and Paul, that's a big deal for her, right? Because she's sacristan she's the caretaker of the, of the, the sacristy or the chapel. Important even. duties. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And she was pretty meticulous. So it was her way and that's how it was going to be. So during the Good Friday Mass, Sister Margaret Ann was supposedly unhappy 
with the way the mass was celebrated and even made the comment living up, living up to her incredibly strict spiritual meticulousness that she was going to confront father Robinson about it. She questioned the housekeeper saying, why did they cheat God out of what was his? The next morning, April 5th, 1980 at approximately 8:20 AM, sister Margaret Ann's body was found in the sacristy of the chapel. Whoa. Did you say the next day? Yep. The next morning. Yeah. Whoa. Somebody was really pissed that she opened her mouth. I think so. Holy shit. I just, usually you let that shit build up for a while, but somebody had to unleash on her. No, not this time. There was not a lot. There was, yeah, no, no. So she was found. One might say it was the wrath of God. (laughs) Probably not, but geez. I don't don't think so. Somebody's wrath. Okay, maybe Um, it was just holy wrath. Yep. You're not helping. You're not helping. She was found lying on her back her arms at her sides, her legs together and straight, almost as if she were prepared for a funeral. With the exception of how she was dressed, yeah, this this one's rough. Her habit was pulled above her breasts, her underwear pulled down, resting around her right ankle. The nun had been strangled, and before it brought her to her death, and after crushing the hyoid bone, her assailant stopped. Placing an altar cloth over her body, they stabbed her nine times through the cloth then removed the cloth and stabbed 22 more times to the face, neck, and chest. On her forehead, she appeared to have been anointed with her own blood. Oh. Yeah. According to the autopsy, and due to a large bruise on the back of the nun's neck, it appeared Sister Margaret Ann had been strangled from behind by an individual with large hands. The autopsy also showed that she was not sexually assaulted. The stab pattern, um, which makes it a little bit better. I mean, even though it was set up that way, it makes it a little bit better. It's, 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 I guess that, that part is, it's almost a weird aspect of the murder that there was no sexual assault, but she was left. But she was left Exposed that way. like yeah. that. So yeah. almost as if it was more of an insult, more of an exposure, maybe perhaps sure. on the yeah. part of the killer that it was yeah. Uh, yeah. insulting to her to be left that way. Right. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Ugh. The stab pattern on the nun's chest was in the shape of an upside down cross. Nothing seemed to have been missing, but the scissors that Sister Margaret Ann always carried with her and also her watch. The sacristy was intact along with her purse, but also missing was the actual murder weapon. It was evident that she had not interrupted a robbery. Before the police arrived, one of the other nuns covered Sister Margaret Ann's body. The next day was Sister Margaret Ann Paul's 72nd birthday. Oh man. So a, li- a lifetime of dedication and you I- I- emboldened by something because of your passion for your, your faith or your religion sure. yeah. and somebody who is vindictive. I, this is just such an intense, intense, intense killing. Well, and the the fact that, I mean, she was stabbed 30 Two times, 31 times, 31. Did I write that down? Cause I can't do math. 31 it, over 30 times she was stabbed. That is, that is, that's angry. That's, that's anger. That's passion. Like you don't, as, as we we've said before, I mean, can you imagine stabbing, stabbing some, stabbing someone and forgive the, forgive the, the bluntness here, but, but stabbing someone over 30 times, that person has got to be tired. 
Yeah, 30, 30 times is, is fewer than many that we've seen. I think what stands out more to me than the number of times are the patterns. Sure. Stabbing somebody in a pattern really means I would believe that you put a lot of forethought into what you were going to do. You know, so many, I think, I think a lot, I see a lot of these killings where somebody stabs somebody over and over again. It's, it's very, it's an impetuous decision that are, that occurs in the moment and then you can't stop. And in this case, they, right, they this person started, took the time, took the time yeah, to, yeah. to get, to do a, a fucking pattern. A pattern. Yeah. And one that, one that is insulting, horrific. one that's insulting to that or, On or, every or sacrilegious to that to that belief system, right? You didn't just want to kill this person. You, you truly, you wanted to absolutely demoralize their existence and their, and their, their, spirituality, and their, corpse, and yeah, and their spirituality. Right, yes. Right. That it is taking the killing to another level at that mm-hmm. point. And, and almost, and I know, I, I know, I, I think spiritual insult killing, it, making a mockery of it really, you know, on her for like the, the part that the other part that sticks out is that she, was anointed with her own blood. It's demonic. Right. It's well, demonic. Yeah. 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 It, really, it really is. So yeah, we've never, some, we've never had anything like this. Oh, and don't, it's, it, don't it's, think it's, I didn't think about that. It's shocking. Yeah. yeah. It really is. So the original theory of this murder was because mercy hospital was in a neighborhood with a higher than average crime rate and that some sick individual took care of it. So I'm sure, you know, it was 1980. I'm sure it was a bunch of racial profiling and, you know, it's a, it's in a lower income neighborhood. So of course, of course it, it can't be anybody within no way. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's also a time when you started to see a rise in a belief that certain social mechanisms could right. lead to lead to demonic behaviors, sure. music and or movies. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of that happening in, in these really um, profoundly religious cultures. Sure. There was some belief that Ozzy Osbourne and other, you had Ozzy Osbourne biting bats off of heads and heads people said, yeah, yeah, bats off of heads. Yeah. I mean, either way, I think <laughs> Ozzy would have done it. So yeah. It, it just, so in that time, yeah, sure. sure. This is, this is, and again, it's demonic. It's already it's, demonic. It's demonic. Yeah. Somebody was listening to Ozzy Osbourne and came in here and killed this poor lady. Would, would be a theory. Right. Not what you're, yeah. Not, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, did I, not did, my I, did, theory. I did I start talking about Ozzy Osbourne? Like, I don't remember. My dog's name is Ozzy for that reason. Cause he would eat the head off of a bat or a bat off a head. But, um, but anyway, yeah. I, but I, I think but that shit was happening, but in that was, era. that was happening. Yeah. hundred percent. It was, and it was that time. And you know, it was, again, it was the, it was the eighties. Anything shit was weird. Could have been anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Could have been anything. So with, with the placement of the body and the items used in the murder and the staged sexual assault, it, it seemed to lend itself to some sort of ritual killing. So kind of as you, as you said, right. As a demonic yeah. Oh, what, do you think it was a staged sexual assault? I think so. Looking, okay. looking at it. Yeah. Okay. It looked staged because she, um, in the autopsy report, there's, there wasn't any semen present. Um, right, and, no, no, no. And, I know and, we and know for, there was for, no actual, for, but like you're me. throwing off, trying to throw off the scent of investigators. Sure. Yeah. I'll make it yeah. look like she was sexually assaulted. So they think it's not me or, or, or you know, or is, is that, who, I mean, who knows? I, it, yeah. it could be for, for yeah. any reason, but it definitely didn't happen. Yeah. The, the first, and also the, the first police officer to arrive at the sacristy didn't think so. They, he disagreed. He thought, he thought that it was something, it was like a, a, a smoke screen, um, or a way to throw the investigators off the trail. So even, okay. even, even yeah. the, even the, the, um, the demonic way of, of presentation. Yeah. Uh, others still disagreed. 
I'm sure they had the reasons and also because it was 1980. So I'll give it both ways. But, and again, one thing that, that even kind of highlights where I was coming from, everybody knew that they were angry. Whoever did this was angry, you know, stabbing someone 31 times, 32 times over 30 times. Why do I keep picking a number? And in a pattern. Uh, Yes, it is like someone is. So for that initial cop who believed some of that was theatrics. Sure. Yeah. Did he have a theory? No. Okay. No. Just that someone was mad. Okay. Sister Margaret Ann's funeral was held on April 9th, 1980. Father Robinson and Father Switecki can celebrated the nun's funeral mass. And there was a dramatic mood during the funeral. A horrendous thunderstorm broke out in the middle, making those celebrating Sister Margaret Ann's life think that the roof of the chapel was going to blow off. Like that's, and it's not, not even exaggerating. Like it was just, it was that bad. It was okay. that bad. And so me, of course, now Those already weird moments, like I'm already getting Jonah bumps. About right? it over like here. I almost got Jonah bumps. Yeah. It was because I was like, Ugh. like somebody is something's not right here. And then, and then it's you're a sign and you're freaking with something else here. It feels like, right. Believe so, what you want. That's some yeah. sort of sign. Yep. So the investigation continued and there weren't any leads. Both priests assigned to the hospital were originally suspects. And especially keeping in mind the comment that claimed the person uh, that, that killed the nun was a large was a large person or or a or a, or the a, hands or a, the or a beefy man, if you will. You said part of yeah. her neck was crushed. Yes, and Father Swiatecki fit that profile because he was kind of a large man, kind of had a large personality, um, large hands, and uh, yeah. But things still weren't matching up. So on April thirteenth, just a few days after the funeral. The custodian was cleaning the floors just under the balcony near the chapel at approximately 7.30 a.m. It would come out later in court, the defense, and I want to point this out just because, you know, we we get into the discussion um, a lot of, like, where were you at this time or what were you doing on this day? It's hard to remember. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, they brought in the defense, and I would have done the same thing. Um, and I don't often lawyer things because I don't have that brain, but they brought in her time card and she clocked in at 7.50. So they thought that she was full of shit, right? And then she later, you know, okay. so they tried to deem her incredible or uh, not incredible, uncredible. There's a difference. Yeah, not not <laughs> yeah. credible. <laughs> not credible. And, and yeah, so she'd actually shown up at, at 7.50. So I, fu- I thought that was interesting because it, even if you're off by 20 minutes, by 20 minutes. 20 minutes is enough time to kill someone. We've, yeah. we've, we've, I mean, we've yeah. it's been yep. proven in cases that we've done mm-hmm. and probably thousands of others sure. that we haven't yeah, ever yeah, touched. Exactly. So yeah. So at that time, she heard frantic footsteps coming above in the hallway that led from the chapel. The footsteps went down a second hallway, and that hallway led to the only other room on the floor, which belonged to Father Robinson, which was his residence. So not the other guy with the big hand. Not the big hand guy. Whoa. No. Father Swiatecki. Oh, this was Father Swiatecki. Robinson. Mm-hmm. So investigators, oh. were, investigators were starting to think that the evidence was beginning to point the way of Father Robinson. I mean... You know, I think we all are thinking that, not just them. He was brought in for an interview with police, and much to everyone's surprise, during the interview, Father Robinson said someone came to him for confession, and they confessed to killing Sister Paul. In the Catholic world, Whoa. this is a really, really big deal um, because a priest can actually be excommunicated for doing that, for spilling the beans. Like, yeah, there have been there are movies about that where it's like, I killed this guy, and the priest can't do anything about it. Wow. The, the priest can't say anything about it. It, 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 it. On his part, it's almost like using some 
sort of subversive superpower you've been given to say, oh, well, somebody actually confessed this to me. That, you know, the, the, the level of trust that people put into confession and that well, process, like you said, like you can be excommunicated for sharing something that. And it's, it's hard enough for people to go to confession, um, whether you agree with it or not, whatever. I, I mean, I, I, I get it. Um, but. So they accuse him and he yes, said, oh but, no, it can't be me. Somebody confessed that to me. Right. But like we're, we're taught that from a young age that when you go to confession, you know, the priest can't sacred. say anything, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it is a sacrament. Like more, right? more sacred than HIPAA laws. Yeah, actually, apparently. Yeah, let's, that's good. I like that one. That one's pretty good. Well done, Jonah. Every once in a while I get one, Don. All right. It's all that Don's plane and I heard over the years here now has rubbed off on me after 50 episodes. Uh, well, apparently I'm Jonas planning. It's rubbing off on me because that's all I've done in this freaking episode. But anyway. Um, There's a lot so to explain. Some there, of us are is, kind of ignorant is. to this yes, stuff. So yeah. to be fair. And to be, to be fair. fair. <laughs> um, don't ever do that in a show again because how do we stop? Some of, uh, some of them out there wanted to do it I with know They us, did. They tell. totally did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, so the the sacrament of reconciliation of, 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 of that is huge, right? And so investigators know this. And one of the, one of the investigators actually, he was, you know, he was raised in altar, altar server, all these things. He's like, ah, that's bullshit. You can't do that. So they pushed and uh, pushed and pushed and pushed for more details. And then he confessed that he had made that up to protect himself. Oh, he yeah. confessed. He didn't confess to the murder. He just confessed that he had made that, that up confession up. He got nervous. I, I'm sorry. I got nervous. I panicked. I just did this. Right. Like a five-year-old who's trying to lie about shit in their pants. <laughs> You're on one today. When the, when the interview was completed and after permission, permission from Robinson, police searched his residence at the hospital. I know you're dying to know. What did they find, you ask? A letter opener that had a blade approximately a half inch wide. The handle had a nickel-sized circular medallion. And the coroner gave the opinion prior to the search that the blade or instrument used to stab the nun was probably no more possibly less than half an inch wide and at least three inches long. Chilling. Yes. Perhaps he should have disposed of that. Yeah, it's... And and again, I don't want to be like, gosh, why why did you keep that? Like, I I never want to do that. I don't want to be like, you should have gotten rid of that. But he kept it it for two reasons. One, uh, he believed he had covered up the murder with the fake sexual assault and demonic sequence. And and two, it's, it's a fucking trophy. Yeah. Or he was arrogant enough to not think he was going to get caught. Well, that's that's part of number one of thinking you let let him out, let him astray with the fair. fake ceremony that's fair. and stuff. That's yeah. fair. I'll give you that one. The next day, Robinson was brought in again for questioning, and in the middle of the interview, it was abruptly ended when the deputy chief and Monsignor Schmidt from the Toledo Diocese <sighs> entered the interview room. Gesundheit. Yeah, bless you. And it was a really good moment too, but I interrupted myself. So, so somebody came in the, in the middle of the interview, it was abruptly ended when the deputy chief and, the, and Monsignor Schmidt from the Toledo diocese entered the interview room. What well, Monsignor help me out. Remember earlier when I said reverend and then very reverend, yep. right? It's, it's Monsignor like, is a higher it's, title it's, it's within priest the, and di- then the, the priest the and then Monsignor. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So just a few minutes later, father Robinson and Monsignor Schmidt simply got up and <laughs> simply got up and walked out of the room. What? Just got up. So Monsignor brought the hand of God in there and just, you got to quit with these jokes. These are weird, man. (laughs) 
but but yeah, he he was like uh, more more so like brought in some power and was like, nah, we're done, we're done here. And from that moment on, police were not even allowed to interview Robinson. Wow. Oddly enough, all notes from that episode or from that interview are no longer in existence. They can't find them anywhere. Weird. I wonder what happened. Somebody's got some power in high places. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I didn't make that up. Lord Acton said that. I wish I would have said that. That would have been pretty cool. Towards the end of April 1980, investigators turned their case over to the Lucas County Prosecutor's Office. Can you guess what happened? I feel like it probably was dead on arrival, given 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 where we're at leading to this yes. point. Yep. They Monsignor claim- walks in there takes his boy and is like, we're out of here. We're done. Mm-hmm. They, they claimed that there was and not enough a metal evidence. finger right yeah. there. Yep. 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 Yeah. Power runs deep. So let's fast forward a few years, 23 to be exact. Okay. I did that. Thanks math. for doing the math. For I did, us. I did yep. that math ahead of time. That's yeah. Through the years, we'll make sure to um, take that off the quiz later <laughs> through the years. And after the use of DNA technology became more common and reliable, the letter opener, so the the supposed uh, murder weapon. So they got to keep the evidence. Had been tested. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they kept it. It was yes. evidence because it was an open case. Okay. So it had been tested for DNA, but no DNA was present. But the case, I mean, knowing that things were just not adding up properly, and this guy was still protected and still being moved from parish to parish or hospital to hospital, whatever. So 20, he was still being moved around. 23 years later, yes. this guy still getting bounced around. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. And so the, even, I mean, keeping that in mind, the case continued to be on their radar and ended up moving over to the cold case unit. In 2004, investigators, 2004 now, investigators found a letter that had been sent a year earlier to the Ohio Attorney General's office. The letters caught the attention because they interviewed the author, which was a damn good thing that they did. And they were told by the author to look for an upside down cross on Sister Paul's chest. So somebody else knew about this, right? Uh, so the investigation started to gain some steam. They re-examined the altar cloth and the letter opener, looking at evidence again. And as they're looking at things, the investigators kind of looked at each other and like, oh my gosh, it was like a, an aha moment. Um, there appeared to be some of the stains that were on the altar cloth appeared to match the shape of the letter opener handle. And they brought in experts for this. Yeah. Like renowned experts. Wow. That yeah. is getting right down to the really intricate details. Yes. So on April 23rd, 2004, 24 years after the murder, investigators showed up at the rectory where Gerald Robinson lived and they wanted to question him. So, and like, you have to, you have to wonder 24 years later, like you have to wonder, do you think he saw that coming or would like, was he shit in his pants for 24 years? Or uh, I, I mean, if he's guilty, he was shit in his pants for 24 years, whether you think you got off or not. You think, it, you think so? Yeah. I mean, even if it, you're, even if you probably didn't, Stop him from, I don't know, living large, however he could and and feeling like he got away with something. I'm I'm guessing it's leaning toward him here, the way you're setting this up. But like, no, for for 24 years, he knew the potential of the law was breathing down his neck and maybe worse, God, when when he has to face whatever, if he did this. Yeah. You know, I didn't pay a parking ticket for a really long time once. And I was shitting my pants over a parking ticket. Like, I can't imagine what, what taking another human life was like, you know, knowing you're guilty and that you probably should have, you know, shouldn't have done that. Well, you know, you shouldn't have done it 
I, you can't I don't change think, it. I, right? he, like well, I don't. I don't even know if he cares so much as you don't want to get caught at that point. You don't give. Probably doesn't give a shit that he's done it, but he just doesn't, doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't care. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about about doing it. He cares now about getting caught because he went and hid. If he cared about the fact that he did it, he just would have confessed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would think. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it depends on the person too, right? It depends on the personality, the circumstances, all of it. But it turns out the day of the murder, father Swiatek said to his brother priest, you killed her. Why did you kill her? So father Robinson actually said that during the, the, the questioning, the line of questioning. Also during questioning, Robinson, Robinson claimed that he didn't have a key to the sacristy. Remember that super important, important room where the, yeah. where the, where the priest gets dressed? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said that he didn't have a key to that place. Robinson which, did not have it. Right. Okay. The priest. So I'm which trying to point out like that's, doesn't, that doesn't that's, add up. That does not add up. Yeah. That's stupid. Like this guy is kind of dumb. Look, look, Don, I've left the house a lot of times, got halfway to work and realized I forgot my key to get, to open right. the door. But, but to claim that you, um, somewhere you live, we're like, no, never had a key. Weird. Oh, never, never, had, never, yeah, never, never, had, a key. never no, had a key. I didn't have a key. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, not 24 years later. Yeah. I mean, I right. probably have a key from 24 years ago, but like it doesn't, yeah. But no, he, he was I've like. I've forgotten my key before, uh, you know, right? right? But like he's I'd like. Leave the house, forget my wallet. Like this guy just said he didn't have one. He didn't have one. He never yeah. got one. Because, you know, at this point they're trying to, to place him, trying to see sure. where he was at, trying to, you know, would he have been in the sacristy? And they're like, no, dude, you're, you're pretty high up in the chain of command. We know right. you had a damn key. Right. Pretty high up, meaning like you're the head dude. Right. You have one. Yeah. So combined with the statements that he made during his 1980 interview and then the following questions, the new evidence, he was arrested for the murder of Sister Margaret Ann Paul. Okay. A month later, Sister Margaret Ann's body was exhumed. And during the second autopsy, they matched up the letter opener and it seemed to be a perfect fit. Wow. They forensically matched that letter opener because I'm going to say like they arrested him, but some of this evidence... It seems like evidence that could a jury might not agree with. Well, certainly not the de- not the defense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the trial moves or the 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 case moves along. They finally get to trial, and this this guy is something fucking else. Like I, I it shows up. So here's a, a a priest that is accused of murder, and not even just like a a, a normal human being, but a nun, right? Like. A vile murder. Disgusting. Horrific Absolutely. Murder. This dude shows up wearing his clerics or his collar. Like that's what they call it. Yeah, they, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he shows up in his priest. In his priest uniform. Well, the diocese hired yeah. him a lawyer, so okay. so yeah. Oh, they the diocese hired him hired him a lawyer. Yeah. To support his innocence. Yes. Wow. And the trial Did they was, hire uh, an investigator for the poor woman who was killed? I wonder, I wonder if they did. Yeah. I bet they were real comfortable with that non-hire. Yeah. Wow. The trial was, was also incredibly informative. Uh, so much more information came out. Well, saving the budget for the private investigator, but we got plenty of money for this prick lawyer. God, that pisses me off. Yeah. Like turning red over here. I've been red since we sat down, so it works. I'm just like, you guys, it's so hot in here. Like, I can't handle this. And then, like, the heat and all of you people breathing. I'm just kidding. I'm so kidding. It's, like, it's, it's hot, and I, and I, like, hormones. Like, I just cannot handle this. I see somebody else waving a fan. I like it. 
Okay, so going through the court, he claimed, the, the priest claimed that the entire day or the entire morning. Did he that claim he was, with God as his witness? That he was, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> he claimed that. <laughs> I had, I, you know. Actually. He's a priest. I you mean, know what? I'm, I'm surprised it took that long, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. That's God right, is my sorry. witness. Okay. Not sorry. You want to do this? You want to no, do this yeah, one? Okay. I do. <laughs> All right. Well, so that morning, his alibi, he claimed he had been in his living quarters that the, the entire morning, right? He was in the shower when this happened. There was no way he could have killed his sister Margaret Ann. There was no way. Yeah. I mean, and, you're taking a shower. And, and How and, could you kill someone? Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, he doesn't have anybody else to, to witness that. So except for God, I beat you to it. Anyway. <laughs> God. Just him and God in the shower. Just, Poor woman was getting murdered. I just can't. I, I just can't. I, I can't with you. Are you done? Yeah. Trying to be. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, he is, during his explanation, he's claiming that um, it's Holy Thursday. And typically on Holy Thursday, you know, because there's no mass in the morning, it's not until the, the mass isn't until, and, and there's a mass from, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? So Saturday, you know, in the big game, you're tired. So Thursday or Saturday night is, is when mass is. So he's claiming that, you know, typically you're sleeping in all day, right? Getting ready for the big game. Yes. But his, but, but which makes sense in, in, in speaking with actually a a priest about this, because I was very curious because I'm like, hang on a second. Like, is that actually how it is? It is, but typically you're going to be up early doing priest things. Right. So regardless. And and so it's kind of a bunch of bullshit. And those are, those are my words, not his it's yeah. But anyway, so the other issue is that, and I think what, what really, really sunk him was there were several hospital employees that conflicted this, his alibi. Okay. That say they saw him out of his room and yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, one, one, nurse claimed that, you know, he was always out by six o'clock. Right. And so like one day it doesn't happen. So there's check mark one. So they were, they were conflicting his regular schedule. He was claiming I was in at this time and other people were not just, not just on that day, but almost every day of the week, that would have been abnormal for him to not be out and functioning at that time. Okay. So it was more about, it was more about his pattern than that particular day even. Yeah. All right. Until she drops the bombshell that she actually saw him at the chapel at 7am. Boom. Okay. Whoops. Didn't do that. And then the, there was, there was someone that worked in the lab. She saw the person at the chapel. She saw the um, Robinson at the chapel doors. And then another person said that the chapel doors were, were unlocked at seven, locked at seven fifteen. And these are all separate accounts. Right. Right. And I, I really think it's rare that employees are going to team up against one guy. I, I, you know, it's someone's going to break, someone's going to crack. And, 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 well, after no, and, almost, individually and, and after almost 40 years, I mean, right. come on. Yeah. yeah. So the, I mean, people are just, <laughs> people are, are, are just coming out against him. The, the janitor, like I had mentioned, even if they're earlier, not coming out against him, there's the knowledge they the knowledge. are sharing yeah, their, their remembrance of yeah. that day is contradicting his claims as opposed to they are coming out on sure. the side. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, also the custodian, uh, that, that mentioned 
uh, that, that heard the footsteps and not just like regular walking footsteps. I mean, these were hurried, obviously panicked footsteps. I think we can, I think we can all make that differentiation. Right. And, and of course, then that's when the time, you know, the, the time dispute comes up. So if you are going to say that you were somewhere at seven 30, you better, but fucking been there at seven 30 because it's a big deal. If you're giving a statement. Yeah. That (laughs) shit matters. Yeah. Yeah. But then you, yeah. Anyway. So it is, um, I think, I think personally it was the witnesses that, that, that sunk him for sure. It forces recognition of inconsistency in his claims. Sure. And time and again, I feel like I've seen juries identify those inconsistencies, even when perhaps the physical evidence doesn't line up. Right. Those inconsistencies and the the, the times don't match up. Yeah. That shit stacks up when physical evidence might Mm -hmm. not. Yep. And, and, and one of the other things too, the stabbing uh, weapon obviously lined up too, but again, no DNA, no fingerprints, no DNA, no fingerprints. However, during questioning, you know, because, and it did match, it did match the, the blood, uh, the blood pattern stain. So it was, I mean, they went into, you know, a lot of discussion about this and how, you know, it, like the transference basically. Okay. So it's, yeah, sure. um, and then, so that's what caused the stain. They went into a, a lot of discussion on that and, and, and really showed that. So I think that was part of it, but also along with the physical evidence, they were able to establish because he admitted. So they, they asked him during questioning if anybody have ever, had ever been in possession of that, or if he had loaned that out to anybody, he goes, no. Oh, the letter opener. Yes. Wow. So, okay. I mean, this, this guy is kind of sinking himself as well. Sure. Um, you know, and, and at one point also during questioning, they say, does this look like it? What a detail right there. With the- right. And, and does this pattern match? He, they asked him, does this pattern match the, the picture of the, on the, on the altar cloth? And he's like, yeah, I would say it does. Okay. You've been lying for how many years now, buddy? And you can't lie about that. Like, come on. Oh, well. So ultimately the jury, after six hours of deliberation, found Father Gerald Robinson guilty. Six hours. Six didn't, hours. That didn't take long then. And immediately sentenced to, and this could be because he was already old, but um, 15 years to life. So just 15 sure. years. I mean, you know, whatever. I I, I get it. The, because he's bona fide elderly at this point. Y- yes. Yeah. Big time. Yep. Yep. And the the interesting part also, I, I one thing I wanted to touch on is with the defense. So they, they claimed that the, <laughs> that when the prosecution took the letter opener and put it into the piece of mandible from the nun, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I feel like nowadays we probably wouldn't compromise that, but that's exactly what the defense claimed. They said that could have, you could have changed it. You could have altered it in some way. That is one thing I actually agree with the defense on. And they, they said, you know, if we would have had a chance to put the scissors or put a, a scissors in there, it would have done the same thing. Sure. It would have fit. I don't think it held up as much because it was looking at the pictures. I mean, it's, it's a diamond shaped hole, right? So, I mean, was was that the foundation of the defense for it a, Robinson? It was, a, it was a big part of it. Huh. It was a big part of it. And also and that I there was, imagine they had, experts, the, they had experts, they had experts and experts, everybody, yep. everybody but, brings an expert that says something for their side. Right. But also that there was no DNA, there was no DNA present. So yeah. yeah. Again, so, the lack of physical evidence of sometimes physical evidence. it's it, yeah. it can get yep. really challenging. Right. Especially if you've got a good defense team. And and in which if he was hired a lawyer by the the church, then he yeah. I would yeah. imagine he had a pretty good lawyer. So the priest, Gerald Robinson, was never defrocked by the Catholic Church, but he was not permitted to perform any public ministry. So there's a difference. You can say, Nope, you can't 
you you can't you can't claim to be a priest anymore. You can't cel- you can't publicly celebrate mass. Basically, you can't publicly celebrate a sacrament. So, you know, marriage, confirmation, baptism, first communion, confession, those types of things. They did or did not. They said that you cannot publicly can't do perform any public ministry. Defrocking means that you're basically excommunicated. You know, that's it. If you know, if you claim you're a priest, that's it. So he was never defrocked. And that's a, that's the that's the actual term. I didn't make that up. Sure. Is that is that a unwillingness to admit his guilt? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I can't. What exactly gets one defrocked? What 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 would uh, earn one a know, defrocking? Uh, murder, sex abuse. Yeah. So we got murder. Yeah. But no sex abuse, so no defrocking. I mean, no, like pro- no proven sex abuse. Sure. So he was. He could still. He was still allowed to wear. The neck piece. He just could not. I, that I, that part, I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know if you can wear the collar. Well, and obviously he was in prison, so right. You know, I don't know. That's I don't not, know what that. that you know, yeah, yeah. That probably goes against. But he, but he wouldn't be able to perform mass in in prison. But he could if he wanted to. He could if he wanted to, and if and if and if he were caught, and if the diocese wanted to push it. What the prison church gang is going to get him? <laughs> could you feel my eye roll? Fair question. Whatever. <laughs> They, he was he was setting up ministries though not See, not 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 in, celebrating masses but like you know hey let's do a Bible study kind of thing okay yeah at his funeral before a crowd of approximately two hundred and fifty can I say that again uh, two hundred fifty is a good crowd at a funeral well, but what I'm 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 not saying it's not I'm yeah. saying it's a bit much for a convicted murderer yeah who, I agree uh, I agree completely you know I, I mean and right. fifty of those fifty of those people were priests. Mm. So clearly the lawyer, the church paid for, I'm sure, I'm sure he was, I'm sure he was. Cause he made a statement after his death. Oh, of course. Yeah. So Ugh. anyway, at, at the funeral, diocese administrator, father Charles Ritter said, quote, father Robinson lived for many years under a heavy burden, whether that was the burden of guilt or the burden of a miscarriage of justice. I don't know. We do not know either way. The burden is lifted for him now. End quote. Prior to the funeral, members of SNAP, which is known as the Survivor Network, Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, protested outside the Diocese of Toledo office in response to the funeral arrangements given to him because they were the same as they would be given as if it were a priest in good standing. A friend of Gerald Robinson's, an ordained Eastern Orthodox priest, damn near made him a saint in his eulogy. Quote, Never have I known a more honorable man. Never have I met a man more committed to his relationship to Christ. And never have I known a priest so faithful to that commitment he made 50 years ago when he said yes to ordination, end quote. That makes me want to smash my fucking computer. (laughs) Father Stephen Stanberry was disappointed with those remarks. Well, thank God someone is. is Yes. Quote, his canonization of Robinson could be offensive to Sister Margaret Ann Paul's family, as well as to victims of clerical sexual abuse, end quote. Thank you. Thank you, someone... For saying Someone that. said a sentence. Yeah. Well, yeah. For the victim. Yeah. So my thoughts, even if you don't ag- agree with organized religion, this specific religion, whatever, whatever the case may be, we, we have to talk about the bad ones. We have to talk about the people that represent it in a poor way, whether that's an abuser, a murderer, whatever. Uh, and this could be, this could be someone in religion. This could be, you know, we, we need to talk about the bad cops. We, you know, we, we can't protect them. Right? No institution and, should be 
protected Healed from evil or protected exactly. from their transgressions exactly. to the people. And if we don't talk about them, we continue to protect them, which only hurts victims more and ruins it for the good ones who are actually in that vocation, in that institution. Amen. If I, if I had a mic that I could, I would get, I would get in trouble if I dropped this one, but I would like, don't drop that. I know, I know. I'm not allowed to touch it. So that's where I'm at. Resources for today. Holy shit. There's a lot. Uh, uh, ToledoDiocese.org, personal interview with an ordained priest. My college professor would not be okay with that um, that reference the way I typed it out. But New York Times, Toledo Blade, which was an article by David Yonke. BishopAccountability.org, On the Case with Paula Zahn. It's actually a really good episode. It's called Last Rights. Good. It's, it's a good one. So if somebody is going to name this episode Last Rights... You can't. You can't. Um, and then, uh, and then also, the majority of the information was from court documents. This one, this shook me. I'm going to be angry about this one for a while. This yeah. one's going to sit with me in a different way that is upsetting, and I just am really disturbed and and brought down by the fact that he wasn't recognized as the villain that the court, the justice system found him to truly be. And we can't speculate on this, but it, I, I can't help but wonder why was this guy getting moved around so much for so many years? Was there other shady things happening within his character? If he was proven in a court of law as a murderer and he spent decades getting moved and shifted around, all my will, mind all, can't help but wonder what else he might've been doing. All I will say to that is, um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and um, go ahead and check out some more information on him. I, I wasn't able to bring it up here just because I didn't have solid verification, yes. right? Yeah. But it, it, it yeah. just as I sit but, here and hear but, this but story you wonder, for the first you know, time, and, and, and my mind that, asks that question. In the eighties, you know, prior to the scandal of of Baltimore, of Boston, uh, you know, all of those, but prior to all of those scandals that that came to light, that's what they did. They, they yeah. moved priests around. Right. So if you're in, Ugh. and unfortunately he had a few, a, a few parishes that he was in for about a year. Okay. So then moved around and then there for about a year, then moved around. So I, I it's tough. I, again, don't want to speculate, but, um, but anyway, all right, check out our merch store. You can find the link on any of our social media or tpublic.com slash store slash Midwest murder. Be sure to subscribe rate and review on whichever platform you find Midwest murder on a big thanks to everyone who has uh, Midwest murder is hosted by this guy to my right. Jonah Lanto. It's your left, I think. Um, and I am me that'd be on my right. Yes. And, uh, and, and, uh, myself I'm, I'm done. Hi. And it's produced by the good talk network. This rep episode was written by me Thank you so much for listening. Remember, sharing is caring. Episode 50. Thank you. Bye. I didn't mean to say that, but bye. Thank you. You guys.